Everyone has an angel, a guardian who watches over us. We can't know what form they'll take. One day, old man. Next day, little girl. But don't let appearances fool you. They can be as fierce as any dragon. Yet they're not here to fight our battles, but to whisper from our heart, reminding that it's us. It's every one of us who holds the power over the worlds we create. Hey, everybody! I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are entering our third year of doing this podcast. And uh, as a theme for um, our third year, it is previous guests get revenge. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Revenge of the guests. Uh, (laughs) And uh, we're entering our third year. And I believe we're also entering the speed force. So. (laughs) um anyways uh we have making their third appearance on the podcast uh the one and only aaron fox welcome back hello three times for three years that's great i know what a great way to start uh we've had you on first to discuss the uh snyder cut of uh justice league right and then uh what do we have we just had you on not long ago yeah, it was to talk about Phantoms. <laughs> it was to talk about Phantoms. Right. That's right, because Affleck yeah. was the bomb in Phantoms. Yeah. Yes. Um, and if there's two things that Aaron Fox loves, it's Ben Affleck and Zack Snyder. And so would you like to tell the listeners what we watched this month so we can talk about it? Yes, I'm going to give a little bit of suspense, though, because Andy and Joel let me choose, and there were a lot of options on the table. There was Event Horizon. Someone (laughs) suggested Tank Girl, but that's a good movie, so we wouldn't need to watch that. Right. Um, There were some Stephen King uh, contenders, um, because during the pandemic, I regressed to my teenage self and got really into Stephen King again. But we had to go with uh, the S-Man, Zack Snyder, uh, (laughs) Sucker Punch. The S-Man. Yeah, Zack Snyder's, who, again, and I I alluded to it in the intro, but since the last time we talked, I believe swept the Oscars in the fan-voted categories this year. (laughs) No, did he? Are you lying? No, that's Uh, real. All of the online polls were Zack Snyder fans. That was the best moment in cinema from the past year was Flash entering the Speed Force. No, no, not from the past year, of all time. Of all time. Was Flash entering the Speed Force, and then uh, the other one? What was the other one, Andy? The, the fan choice. The fan choice movie of last year was uh, Zombie Land, or the what zombie else? heist movie that he did. Oh, yeah. that was a good movie, though. Yeah, but it's just I, <laughs> it was fun. No, but point fine. being is like just because I'm sure they're all gonna find this show and and descend upon us. Zack Snyder fans are very organized and very vocal online is really the point. That... Yes, they do a good job of getting their message out and taking over online voting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that because uh, the Flash entering the speed force from the Snyder cut of the Justice League beat out Avengers Assemble from Endgame, huh. uh, beat out. I think Rocky beating Ivan Drago or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, it was yeah, it was voted like the like, greatest moment of all time. Like the biggest stand up and cheer moment of all time yeah. was Flash entering the Speed Force. Which would have been okay. what everyone would have talked about about the Oscars if not for a certain other thing that happened. But cuz that's how the night started. We were all having fun on Twitter talking about Flash entering the Speed Force and then things took a turn. <laughs> yeah. But that was eons ago. It in, was in the internet world. So we're here to talk about Sucker Punch. Uh, I would say, like, not one of the better known Snyder movies. It was, I feel like it's the movie that got people to know who Zack Snyder was. 
maybe. Well, it's either this or... Um, it was Watchmen. This came out after Watchmen. This yeah, was after 300 Watchmen. 300 came out before it, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's... And uh, Dawn well, of the Dead. Yeah. What this was, though, is... This, <laughs> so I'm wrong. This is his... No, no. You're kind of right. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Uh, it is uh, first, like, original property. Okay. So, like, yeah, this yeah. isn't any other IP. This is... Everyone was hyped because they were like, okay, you did 300. You did Watchmen. Let's see what's going on in that big, beautiful brain of yours. And it was this. Yeah. yeah this was a story he had been waiting to tell. Yes. Well, he and he did say that he'd figured that since 300 was so like masculine centric, he'd do a movie with women. That was this also masculine centric. Centric <laughs> at all. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, if that camera didn't have the male gaze throughout the entire thing. <laughs> Like maybe Zach he Snyder, should. Oh, go ahead, please. I was gonna say maybe had he hired like a female uh, director of photography, that it would have looked very different. I will say but Zach no. Snyder and I are equally uh, concerned with aesthetics. So. <laughs> Zach Snyder is a—he's truly fascinating to me, and maybe to you too, Aaron, because you definitely seem to gravitate towards Zach Snyder's work, but. He has all of these sort of like bro tendencies, but is beloved by everyone who works with him that they, yes. yeah, like he, like as a person, people, you know, cause that's what happened with the whole release, the Snyder cut thing was everyone who worked on justice league liked him and did not like Joss Whedon. <laughs> well, yeah, that's like just such a weird thing because like Josh Whedon has this or had this, I should say, like making like feminist characters and and centering women in this work and yada, yada, yada. And Zack Snyder had quite the opposite. Yeah. As as a tendency on what you saw, but in, in the real world, they're the reverse. Yep. No, he seems like a a lovely person. Absolutely. Yeah, no, kind of bro-y, but like a really nice bro. Well, yeah, nice I, bros out there. And yeah, I know it's been yeah. pointed out, too, that like because his fans are so mobilized, they often like he'll often point them towards mobilizing for like raising money for charities. And, you know, they do a lot of outreach stuff, surprisingly. Like, yeah. So I I definitely want to get all that on the record, too, because, again, they're going to find us and they're going to. <laughs> I will even posit that this movie comes from a positive place. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He yeah. is trying to like. The wheels are turning. Yes. Well, it's, and there is another Snyder cut of this. There was the yes. the director's release, but there's supposedly an even director's director's release of this movie. It does feel oh, like. Is it this? The extended cut? Where? No, oh, is that there's, what you, there's oh. an even extended ear cut that Zach Snyder has. comes out in the middle of. So obviously, again, this I'm holding up a DVD case that my spouse purchased for me for Christmas uh, <laughs> because Zack Snyder, like, uh, shout out to Mitra. Uh, Zack Snyder like <laughs> comes out in the middle of his, this movie and explains what's happening. It doesn't explain what's happening any like further wait, wait, wait. than what you can see visually. Wait, wait, but, wait. So, no, hold on. So he like like literally Zack Snyder yes. walks out and like looks into camera and starts speaking. Yes. It is called okay. First of all, it is called maximum movie mode, <laughs> and like you can't see. So again notoriously visual medium so this is what happens the movie goes into like a barbed wire um border (laughs) yeah border and then in a white background Zack snyder walks out and says like hey here's what's happening during this part of the movie but it doesn't make anything clear yeah based on the the still that you just showed us it looks like he's in the the loading area from the matrix like waiting for his guns to show up and over his left shoulder is the movie that he was the new metal (laughs) that he was the occupant of the the blank void before john oliver filmed his show exactly a year and a half yeah If only H. John Benjamin came out as the personification of the void to also like weigh in on what he thought of the movie. But yeah, it does feel like Zack Snyder read a pamphlet about feminism and then or like the back of a book jacket and then or the dictionary definition of feminism. (laughs) All of these things are true. (laughs) Although I think uh, Aaron sharing that with us, I think has has made me realize what the true end game of this podcast is. And that's us being asked to do one of those for a movie. 
Oh, standing in front of a white void and explaining and a movie. talking about a movie while surrounded by barbed wire. I thought you were going to say us doing one of these episodes with Zack Snyder. I would take either of those as the I, oh ultimate. No, that's, that's, that's a step in the process. That's on the way there. You gotta get the fans mobilized yeah, before yeah. we get to do maximum movie mode for I, something. It, this is my new dream: is that the three of us, because Aaron, you're definitely involved in this too, Thanks. is that we're all standing there with Zack Snyder, all four of us in front of a white void, discussing a movie someday. Oh, if dreams can come true, yeah. It's either that or Bill Murray to discuss the first Garfield movie. Are my only oh. two goals for this podcast? That's a better goal. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> is it though so did you guys like this movie or love this movie <laughs> um of those two choices i liked it <laughs> same what did you no. like about it <laughs> we'll get there that's that's oh, yeah, 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 well, yeah i do i have silver linings for for the end but, oh okay great great yes yeah. oh no i definitely there's definitely silver linings in the movie there's no doubt about that i just want to give joel kudos for finding any scenes that had talking in it because i was pretty sure this movie didn't have any dialogue well, it was the they they made it easy zack snyder did make it easy for me that it opened with that so i was like okay well i had that filed away of like okay well this could work because i'm always doing that when i'm watching them i'm like let's see what we could use and i'm like well it could be this opening because it kind of sets everything up and then i watched the whole movie and i was like oh no it's the opening it's definitely <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> i don't know what else i would use <laughs> all right so no, Zack snyder makes it easy for you is the tagline for this episode he makes it real easy like I, here's what's going on i also think maximum movie mode is a great description of this film i think that's just <laughs> a baseline for the experience can i tell you so aaron i had never seen this movie and i'm gonna can i tell you some things that i was not ready for yes okay <laughs> one and this is the biggest one oscar isaac <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's uh, some heavy hitters in the movie oh yeah, yeah. i was gonna say two john ham <laughs> and three vanessa hudgens i think those were <laughs> those were the three big ones that yeah, I, I i had seen this years and years ago because this came out like 2011 ish something mm -hmm. like that um and i'd forgotten that oscar isaac was in it entirely um and I was pleasantly surprised to see our old friend Jenna Malone. Yes. I'd forgotten that she was in it. Um, friend of the show, frequent uh, subject. Oh. Jenna Malone <laughs> has shown up a lot on this and, podcast. And, we, and, I, yeah. and has always been the silver lining when she's shown up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's never held against her that she no. shows up a lot. Uh, I also do you think Oscar Isaacs just sent his reel from this movie to get the part of Gomez Adams? Is that like that was his screen <laughs> a lot test? <laughs> eyeliner. <laughs> accurate. Yeah. Um, I think a good place to start. And, and maybe, Aaron, you would like to feel this one. Uh, you want to want to describe what happens in this thing? Ooh, that's a good. Yeah. OK, here's the thing. Longtime <laughs> listeners will know. That I'm an avid note taker. <laughs> That's true. I because I because I'm mainly familiar with the maximum movie mode version of this film. I actually literally just watched the Netflix version, or like the regular version, to right. make sure that we were all working from the same oh, good. playbook. And I did not trust myself to summarize this movie extemporaneously, so I wrote it down. Here's what happens in Sucker Punch. And also, there's a really good How Did This Get Made that you could also listen to after you listen to this podcast. Or don't. They don't need the clicks. They're fine. Yeah. Okay, They're... great. They're doing great. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to it. Because um... I'll tell you how it got made. Zack Snyder wanted to do a movie with a bunch of really attractive women. That End of the episode. Happened. And he read a pamphlet about feminism. He read the dictionary definition <laughs> of feminism. That's like the recipe for this movie. Yes. Yeah. All right. So a girl accidentally shoots her sister mm -hmm. because her stepfather is abusing them. She is institutionalized and her stepfather bribes the um, porter to lobotomize, like forge paperwork to have the stepdaughter uh, lobotomize. This is the orderly by played Hamm. by Oscar Isaac. Yeah. And the lobotomy doctor is John Hamm. And I will also yes. say that so far, everything you've described was very clear to me. And I, I knew all of that happened. I, I was all right. <laughs> now we're getting yes. to uh, 
So, and we yeah. enter the weeds. Yeah. <laughs> the real bad guy is Oscar Isaac, and there are other girls at the institution. Well, at the mental hospital. So there, we could talk about the nuance of this. Uh, well, at the mental hospital, she disassociates to a brothel uh, where is, she is dubiously employed. Uh, she's brought there from an orphanage by a Catholic priest. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't the Catholic priest played by her, the same actor as her, her father? stepfather, yeah. Her stepfather, yeah. Um, so the reason this is dubious is because the mental hospital, like, I think the therapy that they do there is like acting therapy. Um, so like maybe the, the brothel is part of this acting therapy. I, that's unclear. Um, so she's dubiously employed here and each of the girls in the mental institution are in this brothel and they all have their own dance numbers, which gives way to yet a third level of reality. Uh, or another fantasy, and that's like set in World War II times, but also potentially on a planet that isn't even Earth, and, and also feudal Japan. And yes. there was one with orcs and and dragons as well. So yes, yeah. So, so there are, are yeah. a series of shared hallucinations. Yeah, of different <laughs> different locations and possibly time periods. Yeah. Also, they just turn on Army of Me by Bjork and tell Emily Browning to dance sexy or die. And let me tell you, if someone told me dance sexy or die, I would be dead on the ground. Because... <laughs> I don't know. If Army of Me was playing, I think I could pull off dancing sexy. <laughs> That's a bop. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> it's like a Patrick Swayze uh, Chippendales uh, <laughs> SNL. <laughs> yes. Um, so then the the... Point of view character, the girl who murdered her stepfather, um, baby doll. We're back in the brothel level, convinces the other girls to escape the brothel, and they intermittently escape into this World War II world to run missions that mirror their efforts in the brothel uh, to gather items they would need to escape. Um, the brothel, brothel level efforts are foiled, and the girls are killed. Uh, baby doll realizes that she has to sacrifice herself so sweet bee can be free then we go all the way back to irl baby doll gets lobotomized uh but it exposes the orderly who is raping the patients and her stepfather um and oscar isaac no longer wants to rape baby doll because uh, she's not feisty anymore because she had this lobotomy uh sweet pea who is one of the other characters we can talk about escapes and a reoccurring character of a wise, wise man. Um, Scott Glenn. From, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> from the, the third level of fantasy is now in the real world mm -hmm. as a bus driver who covers for Sweet Pea uh, when the police escape. are looking for her so that she can escape. Yes. That's you did it. What yeah. happens in the movie, I, that think, is, I think. Yeah, that is yeah, a good so, description. Yeah. Right. So the other characters, there's uh, Dr. Gorski played by uh, also friend of the show carla gugino mm -hmm. yeah. um, doing a amazing swedish act or a polish accent what accent whatever german accent she's doing an accent she's doing she's making a choice for an accent um and then there's blondie played by notoriously brunette vanessa hudgens mm -hmm. uh there is rocket played by friend of the show jenna malone uh and then amber played by uh Jamie Chung. Jamie, Ch Jamie Chung, that's mm -hmm. right. Yep. And Sweepy, played by Abby Cornish, yep. who also raps as MC Dusk. That's a, just a thing in the real world. And also, Abby Cornish uh, is a rapper. She's a rapper? She's a rapper. Since you mentioned that, I also learned from the, the trivia of this that Emily Browning did a number of the songs she sang. Yeah, she sang the uh, Sweet yeah. Dreams, for one, and she also did uh, like she the chorus three. on Where's My Mind. Yeah, she does three. Yeah, she did the Where's My Mind. Yeah, it's three total. I forget what the other one is. Sing but... Me to, uh, Asleep by the Smiths. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so she sings. Yeah. Okay, so there's already one thing. <laughs> That I don't know if you can clarify, but you did you, in your recap, you said it and I, it confused me when I watched it. And then it confused me again when you said it in your notes. So her stepdad or dad, whoever the father figure that brings her there, he pays Oscar Isaac to lobotomize her. And that happens. And then he seems shocked and upset that it happened. And I found that odd. <laughs> I can't explain that. <laughs> 
Yeah. And also like I was, so I obviously did a lot of research and read about this. And also like the doctor whose signature he forged knows that baby doll is getting lobotomized, but then is confused about why she's getting lobotomized. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause then after she gets lobotomized, John Hamm, uh, very suavely. Cause it's John Hamm says, uh, yeah, I was surprised you authorized the lobotomy. She's like, I never authorized a lobotomy. Yeah. But like, how did we all get here? <laughs> Yes, it's that's all confused. And I, I'm not sure that I quite track the pl- baby doll's plan or how that worked, how that that resulted in Oscar Isaac getting caught. I don't well, yeah, know. I mean, this is like video game the movie in a lot of ways <laughs> that just there are these random fetch it quest levels. Yeah. Uh, and like, I don't know if it's a choice to like not let anyone know what's real and what's not. Uh, I don't know if it's a good choice. I don't know if it's a bad choice, but it is indeed a choice. I mean, th- uh, it's kind of inception. I mean, there's a reality within a reality within a reality. Like we're doing three layers of storytelling. At least. And I think at every turn that I expected it to be, because I kind of think I was, I was set up to be like, okay, so she gets a lobotomy, but she's imagining this world. But the number of things that then turned out to be like, no, but they happened. <laughs> in the real world was I was not prepared for it, including up until the bus driver saving the character. So it's like, okay, so he was real. Also, there's a bunch of dialogue to be like, since she's been here, she stabbed Oscar Isaac and she, so like everything that we see in the, the second level escape attempt. Yeah. Like that all seemed like it really happened. So, so everything in the movie happens, just not, in the reality just, that we see it all collectively dissociating the same hallucination. Is that what we're going with? I, I don't know. I would say the movies, one of, one of the movie's biggest weaknesses is mixing metaphors. Yes. Slash not having any metaphor for something that's happening that isn't connected to reality. Yes, because Zack Snyder also looked up the dictionary definition of metaphor. Well, I think what got me too is every time, so Scott Glenn, so yeah, what would happen is when they'd go to that third reality that was either dragons or space or World War II or whatever, Scott Glenn would be there and he would be setting up and it was always too complicated. It was like, okay, here's the mission. And the mission had like 10 steps and it was really intricate and there was like, a lot of backstory. Like, All right, first... <laughs> Amber's going to fly the helicopter and you guys got to land on the train and then you got to blow off the roof of the train so you can get into the train. And then you got to go and disarm the bomb that's on the train, but the bomb will explode if it gets yeah. to the city. Yeah, it was my all- favorite one is when he says, you got to find a baby dragon. Yes. His throat. It's yeah. like, what? But then even that one, it's like, you got to find this baby dragon inside are two stones. And when you put them together, it's going to create a fire. Also, a don't fire. You don't want the dragon's mother to be woke. And it's like, also, Possible that Game of Thrones ripped this off. I think there's a lot of visuals that might have just went right into Game of Thrones. Like, I'd be curious yeah, to see. Many off were like, let's uh, <laughs> control C, control V. I I think that opening scene, the credits from Game of Thrones, is just the like a lot of the overhead shots from this. <laughs> just paste it in there. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie is bananas, and sometimes it feels like. Uh, it's getting out of control. Back to the real world. <laughs> well, and it's it's all hat on a hat. I think that is why it's like maximum movie mode of everything is too much and too complicated and all the worlds he gets lost in the weeds on. I also I think my favorite thing in this maybe this is a silver lining. I don't know because I did enjoy it is that any I feel like any other filmmaker would they'd show a real world that would be drab and like harsh lighting and there would be a clear contrast, but he shoots every reality in the same stylized, like hyper saturated, soft focus, maximum movie mode. Yeah, there is no difference stylistically between any of the worlds. And I find that kind of funny and endearing in a weird way. And another thing, as you have to commend the historical accuracy of the World War One scene where there were these zombies that were brought to life with clockwork and steam. You uh, you can the mech suits. God, no one talks about the mech suits that were used in World War (laughs) One. I love that you can see everything that Zack Snyder's interested in in this movie, because it all if you look at his filmography, it's all in this movie because, yeah, there's zombies. There's you know, there's superhero, the superhero, the number of times 
the women in this movie land in a superhero pose, including one where it was three of them synchronized landing, which made me Girls happy. Get it done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but it's and the mixed metaphor of the giant samurai monsters that also have Gatling guns. If that's not Zack Snyder in a shot, I don't know what is. Yeah, yeah, that one really threw me off because yeah, it, it, and I think that's like the first time we see Scott Glenn. And it's mm-hmm. it seems like it's committing to a feudal Japan samurai thing, even though the samurai monster robots are like 20 feet tall or 50 feet tall or however big they Just are. Just like real samurai. And then, yeah, there's guns. They have Gatling guns. Uh, Baby doll has a pistol. <laughs> I would say that is one of the more confusing aspects of the movie <laughs> is that like these. Fa- so, OK. It, okay, Zack Snyder comes out in maximum movie mode, oh god, and explains to you, oh. there's a um, shot in the beginning of the movie where Baby Doll is looking through a keyhole, and she sees her stepfather, and he's like looking through a mirror, and then it's like three layers. Zack Snyder stops the scene and is like, hey everyone, this represents the three layers of reality, blah blah blah. Oh. Like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Um, why why you would choose first of all to disassociate to a brothel i guess okay sure like there are reasons sure i'm not here to judge but then like you're in the brothel and you're disassociating to like a more hardship area like you're now battling lots of different monsters like that seems ineffective as a strategy for survival but like What's confusing about this third layer is that there's no continuity at all between the different fantasies or from the fantasy. Like we we hear that all of these things happened in the um, asylum that like she attacked a guard and she started a fire, blah, blah, blah. But like it's not at all clear what elements are represented in the fantasy that are real and what are just part of this fantasy like it's just extremely muddled right because like rocket gets stabbed i think in the base reality and it's like she never gets shown dying in any of the other realities so you don't know what is meant to have been happening yeah i don't well is well that's a good question too is the chef in the base reality or the brothel reality i don't actually know he's in the base reality but (laughs) (laughs) But what is he in the? Is he a dragon? Is he like you yeah, would yeah. think that these mini bosses would represent right. something they're overcoming, but it doesn't. Yeah, like, like one would be the orderly that has the Zippo, yes. and one would be that. Like you'd think that like the samurai would be the chef because samurais use swords. They need that. She needs to get a knife, yes. right? The dragon would be the guy with the Zippo because dragons have fire and Zippos create fire. And I forget what the and the key would be the. World German War World War One general, because yeah. German World War One generals have keys. engineering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they have keys. The keys to turn the clockwork to make the steam zo- steampunk zombies work. Or there could be a map there that you yeah. have to get their base. Like there are a lot of ways that you could. Have oh, that's right. Because that was the fourth thing. Was she also need to get? She need to get a map, fire, a knife, and keys. And, and then, a mysterious fifth thing, which was her sacrifice. Yeah. Because plot twist: Sweet Pea was the hero all along. Right. Yeah. The idea that someone would send you on a quest and then be like, there's also a fifth mysterious thing that I'm not going to tell you what it is. Like, right. no, I'm done. I'm done with your quest. Well, also because every other thing was a metaphor. They weren't even like, <laughs> nothing was literal, you know? Well, I guess they were in the, I don't know. It gets very confusing to talk well, about like, this Because at one point they're like, and the, the fifth thing is something only you can provide. So it's kind of like, oh, well, that's her sacrifice. Yeah. It's also bizarre <sighs> because, correct me if I'm wrong, but... The character that ultimately ends up escaping, I believe her backstory is that she willingly showed yes. up there to protect her sisters. So, like, again, I mean, that's a noble reason to do it. But your ultimate one person that escapes was the only person who didn't have to be there. Who could have left on their own free will, theoretically. Right. There is a theory that. So, like, the voice at the beginning, that's her voice. The one that's like, they're angels. There's a theory that uh, she like hallucinates either baby doll or all the other characters. They're all like different parts of her personality, which like, here's the thing. All theories about this movie clarify exactly one thing about the movie and make everything else like equally as confusing and complicated. Like a good fan theory should. (laughs) So you, you said that in the maximum movie mode that Zack Snyder 
talks to us like in the camera. Are there additional scenes or anything? Is there more? Yes. Okay, so there's a, are they what are the additional scenes? Are they more fantasy scenes? Are they more reality scenes? What what do they add? None of it's real, Joel. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um it's like more fantasy scenes that like uh, it's just same thing hat on a hat. It's just like more of more. Just more. Like, okay, so this? Yeah. yeah so there's one thing I was reading mm -hmm. was that one of the because this is Zack Snyder's, I believe, first uh, PG-13 movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is PG-13? Like, this is PG that's why. So that's why everyone is made of steam or light. Like, that's oh. why there's no blood. It's so that they could. Oh, right. Because so maximum violence. I forgot that in America, that's all it takes. Everything else yeah. that's in this movie can be in the movie. As long all as there's the attempted not... rapes are, are fine. Yeah, totally. We don't care yeah. about that. As long as there's only steam blood. Well, and then like there was a scene where uh, Baby Doll seduces John Hamm, and it's heavily implied that they sleep together, that they, uh, you know, that they have sexual intercourse with one another. Um, and the edits that I guess the MPS or MPAA wanted to do uh, made it look like John Hamm raped her, and so Zack Snyder's then like, "No, I'm just cutting the whole thing." to make it's going to make my movie even more confusing but no i'm not i'm not taking i'm just taking the whole scene out like i do want it to be more confusing but i don't want to condone this <laughs> um so he's just like like dragon dropped it out of the movie i'm also fascinated that they were chasing a pg-13 rating on this it doesn't feel like it should be pg-13 no but like so there's a scene at the end uh where so at the end of this movie, um, baby doll is lobotomized and, uh, that's the other thing. Okay. Sorry. See, this is why I have to organize my thoughts all the time. So at the end, throughout the brothel scenes, there's this reference to this high roller and the high roller is going to take baby dolls virginity, which I guess is a metaphor for the lobotomy, whatever. Um, that's not a problematic analogy at all. Ugh. Uh, and um, everyone's like, oh, watch out, the high roller's coming. And it's like this really, um, like, I don't know, it's something that's anxiety provoking for them. But at the end of this longer version, there's a whole scene where the high roller is like, no, you have to like, give yourself to me. I can't do this without your permission. And like, you have to just let go and be free. And this will make you free, blah, 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 blah. Like, and then in the real world, John Hamm is like, did you see that? It looks like she wanted me to give her all about it. Which that is still in the version that I is watched. still in the movie, yeah. Is that yeah, line, okay. but not the, not the setup. It's just right. John Hamm's... <laughs> out of nowhere saying it seems like she wants the lobotomy which is such it. a weird thing to say under any context <laughs> so yeah like does this whole thing where john ham is a high roller who's like it's very upsetting that he's coming he's gonna take her virginity but then he explains to her that like she has to give it willingly and that this will make her free and then we cut to the real world and she wants a lobotomy does that make it less confusing and better no. No. I also I think it's maybe worth mentioning that because we keep talking about this lobotomy. The and I don't know a lot about lobotomy, so forgive me. I, I'm not a I don't have a medical degree, but the lobotomy in question is an ice pick that just is hammered into the front mm -hmm. of her head, which I don't maybe that's how that was done, but mm -hmm. it, it No, that's yeah. a real that's it accurate. Is. Okay. Well that's terrifying. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but my understanding is also it didn't turn people into vegetables mm -mm. right it's just it kind of it yeah. could i mean it, like but like the intent was not to make someone not like always, a passive yeah. vegetable necessarily that um they found that it didn't really do what they wanted it to do like but it was the the cutting edge of medical science at one point yeah like you're poking around in a brain and you can't see what you're doing it had varying <laughs> degrees of success as a procedure um, one thing that I think about uh, when I watch this movie sometimes that is a bummer, sorry, everyone, uh, is how easy it was for like anyone who was minoritized to be like sent to an asylum and just like fucked for the rest of your life uh, in olden days and probably also now, let's be real. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's terrible. I don't know why Zack Snyder 
thought a brothel or a war would be a good escape from that situation. Right. Well, I think that's the problem is there's not a scenario that's pleasant. It's just different trauma. It's like different bad situation instead of like none of them are an escape. They're just alternate. Maybe he does understand womanhood. I mean, maybe that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like maybe that's the genius of it of like there is no escape. You know, that this movie is like. Somehow misandrist and misogynist at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it covers its bases really well. The only thing I can think of to explain it is, so they're in this terrible situation. I think the hardest leap is like, why are they then dissociating to a brothel of all places? Um, But I get why they're going on these like crazy adventures is because they're engaging in risky behavior to obtain the thing they want to help them escape. So that kind of tracks for me. Mm-hmm. But um. So they're like they were going to they're going to dissociate to something also dangerous, whether it's a dragon or a giant samurai robot or whatever. But I just like why? Like uh, this this mental hospital is terrible. If I pretend it's a brothel, that'll make it okay, Right. That's that's where the where it sort of falls apart. No, the one thing that I do think is there and I, I again, I mean, I at least understand, I think maybe what he's going for is in the brothel reality. What'll tend to happen is like they want baby doll to dance or they want her to do something that's exploitive. And then she'll imagine that she's doing something proactive and like heroic and like, I am now killing a dragon instead of having to dance for this creepy man. So it's like that one I almost get, but yeah, I I don't get the, the mental Institute to brothel, you know, A to A. A to B, whatever, like, you know, A to A and also a half. terrible A. Yeah. A to A prime. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a, uh, that's the problem with the movie is that none of it really makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, we could probably pivot. I mean, I think that covers. I'm, I'm good to pivot <laughs> yeah, to the silver <laughs> linings of this. Um, oh, wait, can I ask a, another of question? Course. Yes. Yeah. It got a, a 22% on Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes. And it got a 33 out of 100 on Metacritic. Which yeah. do you think is the more accurate? Well, I, I think that's a funny thing with Rotten Tomatoes because it, it'll tend to swing too far to one. Because it's just doing thumbs up and thumbs down. Mm. Where right. it's, like, it's sort of like they're, they're taking the average of like sort of a binary positive negative rating. Whereas right. there's a little, I feel like most of the time Metacritic is a little closer because they sort of take the nuance of the ratings. Yeah. Cause basically what the rotten tomatoes is measuring is that three quarters of the people who watched it didn't like it, which is maybe accurate, but yeah, the, the Metacritic is a more, so yeah, people liked it. You know, they, if they were grading it, they would give it a 33%, I think. Well, people gave it a B minus, which I think is shocking. <laughs> but see, this is also like audiences, but this okay. is where the speed force oh, comes in. Yeah. The Snyder and, army. Yeah. So the Snyder army, like it is not hard to game a, a you know, these aggregate sites. A cinema if, blend fan. How voting. naive yeah. of me. Yeah. If enough of them, like, yeah, if, and on, you know, the, the unfortunate thing that happens sometimes too, because people will use that to tank a movie they don't like for some, if they've decided that a movie upsets them for some reason, though, like they'll, if women were ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. Women ghostbusters was a big example of before that movie even came out. It had a really terrible aggregate score fan score because people who hadn't even seen it were just like, I hate it. So oh, here's some other questions I have. They're very brief. Sure. Yeah. Which one is your favorite level of reality? Here, I'll say I'll say this first so that you guys don't have to. I like the brothel because it's glamorous. I did see it. It was very like southern. It was the best version of Moulin Rouge I've ever seen. <laughs> well, it, it was the best version of Oscar Isaacs because that's where we got Gomez Adams. Oscar yes, Isaacs. He went full Gomez in so the, in he the, had the pencil things. mustache. Everyone did seem it was very high fashion. I mean, yeah, I I think I liked steampunk zombie. <laughs> World that, War the World War One one was really good. That's yeah. my second favorite. Yeah, I would watch that movie. I would watch that Zack Snyder movie specifically. Also, Zack Snyder, if you're listening, and we know you are, uh, do a do a dragon orc movie. Why not? Like, I'd watch it. I would too. Yeah, yeah. I think the the brothel was definitely the most glamorous. Um, I think of the three other dissociations, 
I think I also like the World War One trench warfare steampunk yeah. zombie. I think that was the battle. best fantasy one. And it, I kind of, yeah, I, I'd be curious what a version of this movie that thought that out as a metaphor more and just only went to World War One steampunk zombie land to and and had more characters. And why not have a dragon show up in World War One zombie land? And sure. why or not Jupiter. have yeah. Yeah, or have it World War One on Jupiter with Saturn in the distance. Um, I think that if they'd blended the worlds a little bit more and made it seem like it was all instead of base reality, brothel reality, three s- distinct branches, if that was like just a third sort of unified reality would have tightened it up a bit. Or if there were like, de- or if there were developed characters and each of the worlds like connected to a character in some way that you're like, oh, I can make sense of this. Yeah, um, right. Yeah. Or even if somehow the the different fantasy world connected to confusion in the real world, maybe every time she thought she had the fantasy world figured out, it was a different thing because everything around her was like, you just had to do something <laughs> to like make it make sense. All right. Here is the second question. Imagine you're in this movie, you get the script for this movie, you read it at your house and you're like, all right, this is wild, but we could, it's Zack Snyder. He just did Watchmen. We'll make this work. And then you show up on set and the events unfold. How do you feel? (laughs) Are you like, I've made a good choice for my career or are you very concerned about what's about to happen next? I mean, I think evidence by where we started that I didn't know that John Hamm or Oscar Isaac was in this is evidence that they have run as far away from this (laughs) as possible. Yeah. And I mean, nobody's career is dead in the water, really, because of this. I mean... Like Vanessa Hudgens and Abby Cornish and other people aren't getting a ton of work, but they're not, you well, know, well, I didn't kill any careers. Well, I don't know. Do you think she works? But do you think Emily Browning took the brunt of this movie not working? Like, does it do you think that her career probably suffered the most? I don't think that there was. So, like, I don't think that there was necessarily a brunt to take. Like, I don't think it like hurt anyone's career but it didn't make anyone get any phone calls you know what i mean well i I guess that's maybe what i'm saying is emily browning starred in this and hasn't had as high profile a career as everyone else in this movie so Mm -hmm. i I don't know if there's a correlation between those two things but you know that's the only thing i can point to is that out of everyone involved i've seen the other actors in more things in the last 10 years someone didn't watch american gods I tried. I really tried. I yeah, love no, that. I know. I, I loved that it. book so much, and I really wanted to like that show. Well, Joel, this is a ten-year-old movie, and I don't know if you know this, but every day that a woman gets older, that's true her too. Value yeah. just drops, <laughs> and yeah. that might explain it. I would feel misled <laughs> if I showed up. Yes, and that's what happened. Yeah. Um, final question. How hard do you think it was to act in a 100% virtual environment? Oh, right. Yeah, because none of this. Yeah, probably you'd have like probably a table and a beverage and then that would be. Yeah, think, I mean, do you think it was easier for Tig Notaro to do all those replacement <laughs> scenes in the, the new zombie yes, movie? I do. Yeah, because it's just Tig Notaro. So it's you, you probably have more of a clear sense of what's happening than in this movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know. I think this was a far enough into this like digital filmmaking world that I think a lot of especially high level actors were used to. They've all done other, you know, completely virtual environment movies. You know, this isn't the first of its kind. 300, Sin City. You know, there's a lot of other movies, all the Star Wars prequels that had no real sets. But I also do, Aaron, I think your two questions, your last two questions go hand in hand because I think there's a realistic chance that a lot of actors in this movie had no idea what movie they made until opening night. And then we're like, this is what I mean. Yes, that's what we made. Oh, (laughs) did not get that. Oh, I did not think that that was going to be. I thought this was a sensitive portrayal of like mental illness and abuse. Yeah. No nope. mixed with some high high octane action scenes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like part of me thinks that this movie may have been pastiched a la any animated feature where the voice actors are seldom in the same room together. Yeah, I mean yes. that's that's possible too. That that could also speak to yeah the cast that they were able to get is like 
if you can work around their schedules, it's easier to have John Hamm come in for a day and shoot all his scenes against a green screen and then go home. Was Mad right. Men on during this movie? Should have been, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. Oh, weird. Okay. I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. let's full on pivot. I mean, we've been. I think all of our criticisms of this movie are more than fair. Um, and I don't think we've been especially harsh, but uh, I think the biggest silver lining for me is the cast. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, love Jenna Malone. Always. She's always great. Um, Can I add one thing to that? Sure. I love Jenna Malone. She's great. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, I mean... Uh, Oscar Isaac, John Hamm, Carla Gugino, Scott Glenn is always a treat. Uh, I think that, you know, it used uh, its actors pretty well. And that was, I think, it, that made the movie more enjoyable. Because I think in less savvy hands of like of less polished actors, it may have been a lot tougher to watch and understand what's happening. You would not understand what's happening, <laughs> no matter who. I'm saying it would have been even worse. And you would be like, I don't get this. I'm saying, but it'd be even more difficult to understand. Yeah, because like Scott Glenn, I do want to give Scott Glenn a shout out because uh, he was good overall in general. But that last scene that made no sense where he was the bus driver, he sold it. Like he sold the like, she's been with us the whole time. Now, I don't have any I don't have any money. I know. Get to the back of the bus. This makes sense somehow. (laughs) It was a really unique choice for Zack Snyder to have someone show up in uh, fictional worlds before we knew that they were in the real world. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. What an original choice to make. <laughs> so maybe this whole movie is just Abby Cornish being an unreliable narrator. A lot of people think that like for real, <laughs> it explains some things and then creates a whole set of new questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, I mean, Stylistically, Zack Snyder is a strong director. You know, um, and like the action in this movie is really exciting and really good. Sometimes it's a little too busy. (laughs) Sometimes it's a little. Yeah, this is an understatement. It's a little like video game cut scene at times. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, The whole thing is like when he's. Yeah. When he explains the mission and everything, the whole thing is a video game at that point. Yeah. I do. Can I give a shout out to one shot that I really liked? The scene yeah. where the I think he's the mayor, right? Was the character mm-hmm. that was when he has a big El Jefe cigar because we, there's no subtlety in this movie. So the cigar is named El Jefe. The shot of the ash of that cigar onto the fancy shoes, A plus. Oh Great. yeah, that was, that was a good. That's a good shot. And That's... again, brimming with subtlety, like all of Zack Snyder's <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> Zack Snyder gave a quote about this movie and he, he was just like, it's all my fetishes. What do you want? Like, Is that what he said? Yeah. I actually, I, I, yeah. I corroborate oh that as a thing that happened. Oh Not my. the what do you want part. That was me editorializing. But it was just like, what? I don't know. But that was, there was an implied what, what do you want. Yeah. Like, and okay. I respect that. I think, you know what? That might have been the most clarifying. Okay. I now have a new theory and I want to see how you both feel about it. So Zack Snyder is a good dude. This is what turns him on, but he feels guilty about it. So this is, he wanted to make a porn, but a porn that he felt good about, like, finding hot. I think that's what this movie is. Or that he felt like, so, like, one thing that I think is a silver lining in a really weird way is, like, I bet there are, like, younger girls or people who watch this movie and they're like, hell yeah, those girls are, like, beating people up girl power and like okay <laughs> yeah cool. that's a net positive kind of maybe it's maybe like a net 0.5 positive yeah in the it's, world. It, it definitely it's it's in the good pile for sure that definitely like it's it's a it's a pebble in the good pile and there's maybe no doubt about that maybe there's even and i'm being generous here but i'm gonna go for this we're in the silver linings portion maybe there's young men who Go to watch this movie because, you know, like teenage boys who are like, oh, man, there's a bunch of hot ladies in this movie. And maybe it it, it at least starts their pamphlet of feminism. <laughs> like, you know the, what? I'll take it. Yeah. It, it plants some seed that hopefully is watered somewhere else later. <laughs> but like, well, it's like they like watch it. It's bad. Okay. It's like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Right. It's like they watch it and they're like, 
something was unsettling about this movie. I'm going to pack that away. Yeah, It'll yeah, come yeah. up at some point. Oh, women are people. <laughs> Maybe if if one uh, budding incel gets convinced that women are people by watching this movie, then Zack Snyder has done his job. Yeah. Way to go, Zack. <laughs> no, yeah, it is. It's like a very, it is a lot going on, but it's a very visually interesting movie. Um, and like, I don't know, I feel like at the risk of, uh, I wish that I had a more nuanced take. Like everyone is really beautiful in the movie. Like, mm-hmm. Even when they look ugly, they look beautiful. Like, yeah. and that's what he wanted. So, like, okay, way to go, you did that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Th- this movie is an exquisite corpse. Like, if we're really going to be honest, yes. yeah. I yes. also the the I liked the cover songs. Like, I like the music yeah. in this too. I like the soundtrack. The soundtrack yeah. was good. Yeah, it's extremely Zack Snyder. It's like yes. distilled Zack Snyder. Yes. Like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. All the new songs with the long shots and yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's um. This movie like revolutionized uh, trailer editing for decades. It is. It's definitely a movie that any scene could have been the trailer. Like just it might as well have been like that. They're all extreme enough to be the trailer and they all are equally as clarifying about what the movie is. So literally any scene could be the trailer like in this movie. Well, And this is like a a weird tightrope that this movie walks is that like as I commented before, like. I'm not sure that there were any lines other than exposition dumps in this movie. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, sometimes I still feel like it falls on the right side of the show. Don't tell. Like access. Well, I always uh, particularly spotlight that opening that conveys everything that Aaron summarized really beautifully of there's a step the the mom dies. There's a bad stepdad. She gets a gun. She's going to shoot her stepdad and she accidentally shoots her sister and then is locked away. All of that is done non-verbally to a pop song. <laughs> you know, I think it is Sweet Dreams, right? Is what's it is, playing yeah. there. It's you understand exactly what's happening. It all is visual storytelling that's very clear and, you know, it's easy to follow that part of exactly what's happening in reality. So like that's good filmmaking there. Yeah, he's a master of, of visual language. Yeah. I think that's a silver lining for Zack Snyder. It's that's the thing is like it's you get in the weeds of trying to understand this movie, but you never watching it don't know what you're watching. You don't know why you're watching it and you don't know what the plot is, but visually you're able to always understand what you're seeing. I think that's what makes it very hard to summarize. Yes. <laughs> it's because you can't explain where or why or how. But you can very clearly explain what is happening. Yes. Yeah, exactly. You always know the what, even if none of the other things are clear. Hey, if you can answer one of the five questions. Well, you always right. know who, because that's yeah, always, always clear, too. Who. So you have two. Well, not if not if she's like breaking her oh, personality in the true. different. You know what? Movie. Yeah, we just have who what. Knows? It's just what. <laughs> And where? No, you don't know where. No, because again, what's real? What's actually happening? Where? You I definitely think... don't know why. Yeah, you don't know what planet you're on. You don't know. Yeah, when is when is murky? <laughs> yes, <laughs> but you know what? You know what? You always know what. Some babes just kicking ass. That's what you see. There are a lot I mean, of babes it, kicking ass in this there movie. Are a That's lot. what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> like you could have. <laughs> While that multi-paragraph summary of the movie was excellent, um, had you just said it's some babes kicking ass, it wouldn't have been any more or less accurate. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, so, okay, so you all have watched a bunch of Zack Snyder movies now. Are you Zack Snyder fans now? <laughs> I mean, I... I neither have ever felt that I am or am not a Zack Snyder fan. I don't like I feel like I exist somewhere in between of I've never not enjoyed something about watching his movies, but I also don't know that I would say that I'm a fan of Zack Snyder's movies. Yeah, I'm I'm going to come. I'm going to take a harder line and say that I'm still not a Zack Snyder fan. Um just because while there is oftentimes something that I like about everything I've seen, there's always more that I hate. <laughs> I, this might be the exception where there's more I like about it than I hate about it. Com- comparative to hmm. his DC movies, which I despise all of them. Uh, and like Watchmen was all right. And I like and 300 was all right. 
but Dawn of the Dead. I, Dawn of the Dead might actually be his best movie. It it's probably pretty is. good. It yeah, is. like it, 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 it. I would say it's the movie that has the least chance of showing up on this podcast of everything that he's done. Considering yeah. I think we've done the rest of them. Um, slowly <laughs> but surely, the zombie movie. Slowly but surely, we we are covering. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Um, for good or for ill. But yeah, I mean, I would say like if Zack Snyder did another DC movie, I might actively avoid it until we inevitably watch it for the podcast. Uh, but like I did watch the Zombie Nation or whatever, Zombie World, whatever it was called. Land of the World of the Dead. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I Zombie Zom- Casino. <laughs> v- zombie, Vegas. Zombie, Viva, Viva Zombie Vegas or whatever. Ocean Zombies. Yeah, yeah. I that one was fine. I I enjoyed it. Like it was. I will say this, Aaron. Maybe this helps. That I think actually doing the Justice League mm-hmm. episode was a turning point for me because I read. I I'm glad I watched this after having seen Justice League because I felt like I read enough about Zack Snyder that I like him as a person. I definitely like him as a person. And I'm, I think I'm a Zack Snyder fan is as Zack Snyder the man. I'm a fan of. And I think because I like him as a person, it helps me to give this movie more of a benefit of a doubt than I might have if I didn't know who made it and I just watched it on my own. No, like, I don't know what I think about. And I don't I don't like to speak ill of people generally. So I don't I hope this doesn't come off as like a slight, but like. Maybe he was put on this earth to translate other people's ideas into visual stories. Well, and he, that is what he succeeds at. He yeah. he is. I think that for better or for worse, his comic book movies are the most like a comic book movie that I've ever seen. Like where it's, I really like Watchmen. Like I yeah. legitimately not laughing and being oh, like, yeah, yeah. it's terrible. Love. Like, I think I, it's a good ad- adaptation. And I think Watchmen more than any other one looks like he literally was used the panels of the comic book as a storyboard where it's just mm-hmm. he is shooting the comic as best he can. No, I, I still think, think he didn't understand what the comic book was about. Oh no, that's fair. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, that, but that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, someone else had a good idea for characters and plot and dialogue. Yeah, and he was like, "You know what I got? I got nine. Every scene's a painting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he like he he makes it visually interesting. You cannot say his movies aren't visually interesting. Well, and I, it's a funny thing where I think that he ruined the the DCEU for everyone else in some ways because he's so distinct a filmmaker that mm. everyone else tried. To make movies that matched the visual style that he established to uh, diminishing returns of no one else. And they've kind of gotten away from that now. But those early movies, I think the only one, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman, was the only one to find her version of a Zack Snyder movie and it worked. But I feel like everyone else really struggled to make their movie feel like it fit in the same world as the Zack Snyder ones, you know. He's Not a very distinct. Has that vision. Yeah, he's a very distinct filmmaker. You will always know that you're watching a Zack Snyder film. Mm, those are two true statements. <laughs> yep, I would I would agree with both of them because they're true. But yeah, actually, I I sincerely I probably would not have watched this on my own. So I sincerely thank you for giving me because I you know yeah it's good it's good to be a completionist of the Zack Snyder catalog and I <laughs> I feel like this definitely I there's a lot for me to process but. I you'll never it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. So I think yeah, I will come back to I I won't forget this movie. I will tell you that for sure. I, I definitely want to watch the the uh Mondo movie mode or whatever the major yeah. movie mode. Yeah, yeah. One day you can come over and we'll watch it. Is that maybe that's year it's, four when we have you back? We'll just watch this again, but the, we'll the just, longer we'll run. just do live commentary. We'll do our own like we're gonna do white void. With Zack Snyder. We're going to get... Wait, uh, so, everyone, hold on. Zack's talking. Okay, so we have one year to get Zack Snyder and all of us in a void to watch the the Mondo... What is it? The Maximum Movie Maximum Mode? Movie. Maximum Movie Mode. <laughs> that also the sounds like... The only mode he has. That sounds like something from a Kevin Smith movie. I just... Yeah, uh, it sounds like a term that, like, Brody would say. <laughs> all of that's true. Uh, well, anyways, uh, thank you for getting revenge on us, Aaron. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, do you feel that the scales were balanced from the things that we've made you watch? Uh, I did have to watch the Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. I watched that for like 16 hours, and then yeah. I did have to watch Phantoms a lot. 
Yes, because this movie, you know, I would never recommend it to anyone. I would literally never tell anyone to watch this movie. <laughs> but it's not the worst. Like there yeah. are redeeming elements oh, in the they're movie. very we're not reaching for the silver yeah. lining. No, this was the sure. perfect right. venue to get two people to watch this movie. I think you, yes. you chose wisely and you you started this month off strong, I think. Oh good, yeah. good. Yes, but uh no, it's uh I would say this is probably better. No, I don't know. If it was just Phantoms, I would say this was better, but I, I like the Justice League movies, so. I enjoyed that one. I will probably never watch it again, but I no. enjoyed watching it. Like it yeah, was I'm not it was watch it, again. it it was also maximum movie mode, I think. Yes. Uh is there anything that you want to mention or promote or anything before um, we go? I guess generally like reproductive justice and access to abortions uh if you're in an area where that is under attack, like the United States of America, <laughs> yeah, uh, consider yeah. donating to a local abortion fund. Yeah, I think that's good. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. It was nice to see you both. Yep. Always. Always. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hi, everyone. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smarr. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do. 